one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? In the name of Jesus, doubt, fear, worry, or just complete disbelief that your Lord, your God in heaven could do such a thing for you. You rather have taught yourself, you've entrenched yourself in this belief that that I can do it, I can can work it out, I I can make it happen, and the reason maybe that it's not happening for me here and now is because, well, I just haven't done enough, or I haven't done it the right way. The spring break for our family was this past week. I know many of you are getting ready to start on that. Some of you perhaps have returned from warmer climates. Your timing wasn't very good. But during our spring break, we were pretty much homebodies, still had some sports practices, and we took the time to get some things done around the house, and we had a lot of movie nights. We don't get those during the school year. And one of the movies we watched as a family was the Disney movie that came out here this last year or so, Christopher Robin. Christopher Robin of Winnie the Pooh, Winnie the Pooh and and Tigger, Christopher Robin and and Woozles and Heffalumps and, and fear and worry and nothing coming from nothing or nothing doesn't come from nothing, I forget. But in the story, without giving you too much of a spoiler, Christopher Robin grows up. After all, all kids grow up, right? And he grows up and he leaves the Hundred Acre Wood and he's off to being an adult. To do adult things, after all. To work hard, job first. To work hard, hopefully, so that he can provide for his family, but in the midst of all of his hard work and his effort, things are coming unraveled. For Christopher Robin no longer has the simple faith and trust that he had as a child. No longer is it directed outward, but he solely looks inward to himself. Andrew echoes these same words as he answers Jesus' question. Jesus, who sees now 5,000 men, not counting women and children, mind you, 5,000, thousands more, who now have been following him around, watching him perform miracle after miracle, listening to him teach and preach. And they need something simple. They need food in their belly. I suppose Jesus could have pulled the card that many of us pull when we see other people in need. I'm too busy right now. I've got this going on and I've got an appointment at this time and and I just don't have time to deal with it. Jesus could have said, hey, I just came to preach, man. I don't care about your rumbly and your tumbly. I don't care what you want. 
or what you need. I'm just, let me do my job. We fall into that trap. This Lenten season is about prayer, fasting, and do you know the third leg of the Lenten stool? Almsgiving. Or looking at that which you have that you can give and share and help. You can get into the whole LCMS stewardship thing and talk about time and talents and treasures. Or you can simply look at your vocation and where God has placed you this day and the people that are around you. How can I serve? How can I help? Often becomes the last questions we ask. After all, what is it that I have that could really help? It's just a drop in the bucket, after all. What are they, these five barley loaves and two fish? What are they, we say to our Lord, for so many? So what happened here in our text with Andrew and the rest of the disciples? What happened with the 5,000 that had the rumbly and their tumbly, not counting the the women and the children, those that, that needed food? You could say, well, this whole story of the feeding of the 5,000 plus the women and children, you know, it's kind of like Jonah getting swallowed by a big fish. I mean, come on. Or God creating the whole world and six 24-hour days where the sun came up and the sun went down, that God simply spoke, let there be? (laughs) The hippopotamus? Ridiculous. You could call into question everything that you hear, not only from God's holy word, but that which has been preached to you and taught to you. You could instead, well, become kind of an adult Christopher Robin and just look to yourself. That your understanding, your reasoning, your way of seeing the world, and by gosh and by golly, what you want to do, when you want to do it, to who might need it or want it, well, it just kind of becomes all about you. You could also play the card, well, we're not so sure about this feeding of the 5,000. I mean, after all, Pastor, aren't there, you know, just little things in the Bible that don't add up? Minor details that would seem to tell us that well, maybe we can't trust all of it. After all, sometimes in, in these feedings or these teaching moments, it's Jesus that tells the crowd to sit down. Sometimes he has the disciples tell them to sit down. In our text for today, St. John writes that Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated, so also the fish as much as they wanted. And you might say, well, wait a minute. I did my Bible study for church today, or I'm going to do it later this week. And I noticed that the other three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, record that Jesus gave the bread and fish to the disciples and then had them distribute. So obviously there's some sort of error here. I mean, John has Jesus giving and distributing. Matthew, Mark, and Luke have the disciples giving and distributing. But I would tell you that This is actually a teaching moment. It is his word. It is his authority. It's all about keeping the main thing the main thing. Meaning who's at the center of the story. You see, it's not about the disciples. 
It's about Jesus. Okay, fine, pastor, you want to play that conservative scripture, interpret scripture, you know, whatever you want to call it. Some of you might call it nonsense. The Bible being the inerrant, inspired word of God. What about this boy? Because, pastor, not all the gospels speak of the boy who had the loaves and the fish. Matter of fact, it's only John that mentions the boy. Why doesn't Matthew, Mark, and Luke mention the little boy? And I would reply to you as I just did, it's not about the boy either. It's about Jesus. It's really pretty simple, but we make it so, so complicated. It's so easy for us to get distracted and look at what is not important be a little bit of a Christopher Robin when it comes to our faith, to say there's no such thing as talking stuffed animals and tiggers that are bouncy, 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 fun, 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 fun. Parents, you can explain that one to the kids. We could make the case that who says what is in fact very important, and we could spend hours and days talking about who says what and who gives what and how that's done. And that would be very profitable for us to do that. But for the sake of our short time here today, in John's Gospel, the Word of God, the loaves and fish come from a boy, but the miracle doesn't depend on the boy. We see this because the boy isn't mentioned in the other Gospels, as I mentioned, but yet Jesus still performs the miracle that is listed in the other Gospels. Jesus simply took the bread, gave thanks, and distributed it. He distributed it to the disciples and through the disciples. The miracle doesn't depend on the disciples. That's an important thing to note. If you think the future of this church depends on how well he or I do this, that, or the other, then <laughs> we need to talk. The miracle doesn't depend on the disciples. In the same way, Jesus gives, bestows, forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation in rather small and insignificant-looking ways. Think of it this way, God's word from the mouth of the pastor. Water and the word of God, the word of God and the hand of the pastor, the word of God and a little bread and a little wine. These things all might look unimportant and seem insignificant. And to be fair, there's a lot of Christian churches, even Lutheran ones, that make such things unimportant and insignificant. But yet, they are the ways that God chooses. What are they among us? To what simple things do we cling? Where do we look? As St. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians, Jesus took what was not to bring to nothing the things that are that are. Let me say that again. Jesus took what was not to bring to nothing the things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. Jesus was a nothing. He was a traveling teacher and preacher. He was the son of a carpenter. He was known to be from the no-account city of Nazareth. He was arrested, tried, and crucified among common criminals, mind you. He was nothing, and all of that seems very insignificant when you look at all of history. One man, 
one life, one death. But yet from that, God the Father gives, bestows forgiveness of sin. All of it. None of that might seem like anything very important, but it is the most important thing ever. And so it's not so different with us, even during this Lenten season, where we look at the disciplines of our Christian life, of what God has given us to do, given us to give. It's not so different from almsgiving. We see what Jesus did with five loaves and two fish. He fed a multitude. While he could have simply created bread in front of the people who were before him, rather, Jesus took what was and used and multiplied that for his miracle. So you see, when we give our gifts, time, talents, treasures, however you want to look at it, and not just what you put in the plate per se or have deducted from your account, much more than that. When we give and serve and do, who really is doing the work? Who really is doing the work with all of them gathered together? Now maybe, perhaps, just maybe it would have been more impressive if Jesus, here at the feeding of this 5,000, had just caused bread to, to open up and rain down from heaven. Oh, wait a minute. He already did that. In the Old Testament, if you were listening, the Israelites... Thousands upon tens of thousands upon possibly hundreds of thousands and, and maybe millions, depends on which scholar you talk to, they were in the wilderness. Because, once again, sinful man had turned and looked inward, had decided instead of trying to follow God's way of what they were supposed to do, they would come up with their own way forward. They would figure out their own Christopher Robin way to come to God, to do good works, to live in this life, and to earn eternal salvation. And if you're on that path, I got news for you. It didn't work out very well for the Israelites. Forty years was their punishment. Forty years to wander there in the wilderness. But you want to talk about a God who still loves and cares in the midst of your sin? Maybe you're sitting there today because you're in some sort of wilderness. Perhaps you got yourself into the mess on your own, or perhaps it's just you know what happened. And it's got you a little down. It's got you a little worried. It's got you a little questioning. It got, it's got you a little doubting. It's got you a little, Andrew, what are they, Jesus, for so many? Five loaves and two fishes? That's not going to help my situation. I need more, and I need it. God's people, the sinners back in the wilderness. He knew that they still needed to eat, that they had a rumbly in their tumbly. And so every day, every morning, they woke up and the kitchen table was prepared. They probably would have liked big stacks of pancakes and sausages. And some of you might be oatmeal people. I don't know what you like. They got manna. Don't know what it tasted like. 
I wondered if my kids would have put brown sugar or sprinkled regular sugar on top of it or honey. I don't know. But they had something fixed for them every morning. We try and teach our kids that, especially as they get ready to go off to college. Mom and dad won't be around to fix your breakfast, lunch, or dinner, or to do your laundry. You're going to have to learn to do it on your own, but part of being a Christian, spiritually and even physically, is trusting that God can and will still work for you in some way, shape, or more. Perform. Every day the Israelites got up, there was man on the ground. They gathered it, they prepared it, they ate it, and of course they did what sinners do. They began to despise it. I don't want this. I want something else. Because that's what sinners do. And so now is the time, this fourth Sunday of Lent, Laetari, to learn where true joy comes from for us Christians. Not from that which we have done, that which we have figured out, but rather that which God simply gives, and more than that, the way in which God still feeds us. As we eat of His flesh and drink of His blood, we have life in us because He promises. We have forgiveness for our sins. We have the assurance that whatever wilderness we might be wandering in, that there's a future yet to come, that there's a grand and glorious provision that will yet await even the resurrection itself. You see, Jesus took what appeared to be too little, which is where we need to be repent. We need to repent when we think we just don't have enough, And from that little bit, Jesus created more than enough for the crowd that was before him. The gift of the loaves and the fishes, some say, too small, wasn't enough. But Jesus used even that little and created abundance. You see, the center for us is Christ. His one life, his passion, his suffering, his death. The one man who comes to cover the sins of all people for all time, even for you today. Behold the man. And he still works in his church. He still multiplies the little that we give, and he brings about amazing miracles. After all, even the loaves and the fishes were his own creation. And from that he fed the multitude. And you, you are also His creation. Just as He cares for the rumbly and the tumbly of these 5,000, He cares for your needs now. And He promises that He will yet give you what you need to support your body and life. And so each of us here can truly admit that we've been blessed more abundantly than we could probably describe In fact, we seem to spend a lot of our time talking about what we don't have, and that's where we need need to repent. We worry about what might happen to our retirement account or whether there'll be enough money to pay the bills. We wonder whether we have enough to contribute to others who have less. We become selfish with what isn't really ours in the first place. There are only five loaves and two small fish, Jesus. What are they among so many? But yet he comes to you and me. And he takes us, poor adult Christopher Robbins, and he opens our eyes once again to the reality of his love 
of simple faith, of simple trust, of true and pure joy. That through his sacrifice, that which would appear to be of so little consequence brings with it the greatest miracle of the Almighty God and rescues you. May God grant that we may use even the small, humble gifts that we return to him as we live in this day, as we serve our neighbor. But may we do so in faith and trust of that which he has done, truly revealed, miraculously and stupendously accomplished through Jesus Christ, his Son, our Savior. God grant us such faith. In the name of Jesus.